Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to the Curtain Call Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Benedict, here with my co-host, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm I'm just great. I'm excited to be here, and and I always love that smooth introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I am... I, you know, I am terrible with names and I actually sat there and I'm like, here with me as always. And as and in my head, I'm like, oh crap, I just forgot your name. Anyways. It's on the screen. White, whose name is on the screen. Yes. Uh, starting off great today. We are talking tonight about the Steelers offense. Last week we covered the Steelers defense, uh, different changes, different personnel differences, and, and talked a lot of that, that with Nick Faribault. Great show. Today is just you and me talking the Steelers offense and the changes that are going on there. And I want to I want to get started. I want to jump right in with the position that really hasn't changed. And that is running back. Like the running back position we have no one's actually left. No one's no one's been really added. Like you've got undrafted free agents who could find their way onto the team. Shannon, what are your overall thoughts of this running back room? It's just rolling back the running backs from our last, like our rushing offense last year wasn't that great statistically. First off, do we want to talk about or acknowledge the Baker Mayfield trade? Or would, or do we want to save that for later in the show? <laughs> I think we should save I mean, that. I, I, could do either, I could do either way. Yeah, let's start. Let's start talking. We'll do that in a little bit. Okay, we'll, we'll start. We'll, that's we'll, going to be fun. We got our work done first. Yes, I'll try time. to. I'll try to resist the urge. Um, <laughs> you know, we've talked before. Najee Harris is a workhorse. He's going to be a star if they can give him a halfway decent line. With all the other improvements, the quarterback mobility factor, new scheme, play action. All you know, move the pocket, all the stuff that they'll be able to do. He's going to be a huge beneficiary. Um, and I've not, I've not felt comfortable judging the depth because you know everybody's like Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland. They need somebody else. You know, the yeah. only thing is, is can we actually judge any of the skill position players when the offensive line has been so bad because it's hindered every every part of the offense. The fact that Harris got 1,200 yards behind that line, that's incredible. I think he was third in AFC in rushing yards. I mean, that's – so there really hasn't been any changes, but I think we could see improvement, and all these guys look better and more functional if the offensive line takes the step forward that we believe it will. So I've noticed – excited or or feel this is important and urgent to get another running back as a lot of people are. Yeah. I mean, if we, if you look at the last good rushing year, the Steelers had was 2018 where mm-hmm. James Conner had a pro bowl season. He, he was pretty good there. Uh, they mixed it up a bit, but you go into 2019 and the offense falls apart. Right, they were still running. They're running Benny Snell. They're running James Conner, and they're actually gaining pretty decent yards, considering what you had at quarterback and and how bad overall the offense was. Twenty twenty, they were running really well to start the season. The line falls apart. Injuries happen. The offense just completely goes from you know 
really putting up numbers to falling completely apart mm-hmm. throughout the season and the rushing running game completely disappears. 2021, it's just Najee Harris carrying, doing whatever he can. The, the number of tackles he broke, just to get back to the line of scrimmage <laughs> sometimes, the amount of moves he made. Like, the guy's phenomenal. People, if, you, if you're looking, if you're one of those people that looks at the stats and says, oh, Najee Harris is overrated, you, you got to watch the games. Mm-hmm. The guy's incredible. Behind him, though, like, like that's the big question. Are, are we going to run Najee Harris into the ground? Or do we or do we need someone behind him? Or is the Steelers just going to say, you know what, we'll figure it out as we go. Maybe the quarterbacks run more. Who knows? What do you think, Shan? Do we need a second running back? Or can we kind of get by with a committee of nobodies? Well, Tomlin just doesn't like to use – his running back depth. When he had D'Angelo Williams, Williams was an excellent player. Had been a part of a really good rotation uh, mm-hmm. at Carolina, and and you know, thousand yard runner, and so he he was very talented. And and even with him, uh, when they had Legarrette Blunt, they brought him in. They never used him, and then you know we know what happened there. So I, I think they realized they 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 can't run his, the wheels off of Harris. But I think a lot of it's going to be, as you said, I think we're going to see with the increased quarterback mobility, we're going to see even some designed runs there. Uh, There'll be opportunities to take advantage. Like last year, a lot of defenses sold out and brought pressure and it didn't keep their integrity and they, they lost responsibility and, and they was lanes there that could have been exploited by any quarterback that had any mobility. The game that Rudolph played, against Detroit, he had a couple of decent runs just because he can move and there was huge holes there available. And so I think that if they, if they could possess the ball and and improve on that time of possession, then, and do more uh, play action rollouts and and different things, I think that will take a lot of the pressure off Najee and they can also get the ball to him in different ways in the passing game because he is a very good receiver. So even if they do have a solid number two, whether that's Snell or McFarland or somebody else, um, I doubt they're going to see more than 10 snaps in a game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But the Steelers, I think we can both agree the Steelers, you, you don't want Najee Harris's workload getting into that territory where you're shortening his career. Uh, but you definitely, I mean, it's hard. It's going to be hard taking that guy off the field. He doesn't like yeah, to leave the field. He doesn't want don't to want not to see hit the ball. Him, you don't want to see him getting hit behind the line of scrimmage every other yeah. play. See, th- yeah. that's a that's where you take a beating. That's that's mm-hmm. you're having to make a Herculean effort just to get back to the line of scrimmage and try to gain a yard or two. If he can actually have a few running lanes and, and have some positive yardage, maybe break into the the uh, you know into the linebackers the second level before he gets hit or touch, you know, you're going to see a big difference. And he, and, and yeah. that way you're not taking anywhere near the pounding that you're taking getting hit in the backfield constantly. Yep, I agree with that. All right, let's move from running backs to people we just mentioned as being huge for the running backs game and the run game, the offensive line. On the offensive line, the big loss was Trey Turner. All right, that's the only starting – uh-huh. Only starter the Steelers have lost from that line. And added to the team, 
We have James Daniel and Mason Cole. And while people wanted more, I know there's a lot of people that wanted more changes on the offensive line, and I, I was one of them. I think, I think both of us have to agree James Daniels is at this point better than Trey Turner. Like Trey Turner at his age, his career's kind of going down from where from his peak. Uh, James Daniel is 25. He's kind of coming into his own. That's an upgrade. You keep everyone else the line had, and you add Mason Cole. On paper, this line has to be better than it was last year. What do you think, Shannon? Oh, I, there was a lot of talk about some of the, the big tackles in free agency. And everybody was talking about them. But those were, you know, those, that would have took up a huge chunk. Of, of the cap that they space they had that they could use to fill so many positions. And they did, they got Daniels at a great price because yeah. I think he's on the cusp of being a pro bowl player. He is four years into the league. And as you said, he just turned 25 and he he's already performing at a above average level. And I think he's getting ready to take his game to the next level. So out of all the guys, when we sat and looked at the, free agent interior positions. The guy that, that I wanted the stewards to get, and I wrote an article about it. He was my, you know, the, my big wish was James Daniels due to his age, due to where I think he's getting ready to break out. So that's a huge upgrade because Trey Turner, they got him because they were desperate and he was a really good player at one time. And I thought that he might could rekindle his career by coming to Pittsburgh. But in, in, in the cluster that was the Steelers' offensive line, you know, he, he wasn't able to flourish there uh, yeah. at this point in his career. So getting Daniels is a huge upgrade. Then you go from – I wouldn't even say we the Steelers had an average center at any point last year. Now, Mason Cole is at least average. Yep. And he has – again, he's a younger player uh, with experience right coming into the prime of his career. So again, another huge upgrade. And then Dotson says he tried to come back too fast from injury and he had some other issues, but we know how good he can be uh, when fully healthy. So the interior of the line is much stronger than last year. And that will help everything, but it also helps the tackles. So mm-hmm. more took a beating. You know, we, we laughed about it in training camp last year. He was getting abused. High Smith abused him, and everybody was abusing. But, you know, he learned from it. He grew mm-hmm. from it. And as the year went on, like his first meeting against Cleveland and Garrett, and then the second one, totally different, night and day. Very that different shows, story. Yeah, that shows that, that you know, one, he's got ability, but he's also, he can learn. Even during his struggles, he was learning. So I'm very excited about him is, you know, his future at that left tackle position. And, and having this offseason, and I'm sure he's really been putting in his work, I, I'm expecting big things. And then with the all this improvement, all that will help a, a core for whose big weakness is his intensity. It's not his athleticism. It's not his mobility. He's got long arms. He's got everything you want. He just lacks yeah. intensity. But this new blocking scheme, which you've talked about and wrote articles about, could very well be a much better fit for him. 
And if that's the case, again, he's 24. I don't even think he's turned 25 yet. I don't think. I mean, this he's incredibly young. And mm-hmm. and so there's a there's so much potential. And they've got such a young line now. So uh I think all that bodes well. Yeah, I I, I, there's there's a lot going on with this offensive line, mm-hmm. obviously. James Daniels was a guy, when we were looking at free agents, uh, when we were looking at all that stuff, I was like, okay, take him off the list. The Steelers aren't going to go make mm-hmm. a huge money signing. And James mm-hmm. Daniels, a guy mm-hmm. on the rise, you know, good leadership, uh, nearly, you know, sniffing that Pro Bowl level. Mm-hmm. He's get, he's He's pushing that. And I'm like, Steelers aren't going to be able to get him. He's going to be too much money. And then he comes in for not that or less than a core for cost mm-hmm. him. I, I was surprised at that. All the news coming out of camp is he's a very good leader. He's a vocal leader. He's he's kind of taken over the 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 room. That's all phenomenal. That the team didn't have that guy last year. Mm-mm. They didn't have it at all. Marquise Pouncey was that dude, was absolutely stellar in that role. I agree with a lot of people. I think Marquise Pouncey is a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. his loss was huge. They didn't replace that leadership. Now they have. They've got that leadership. But also, man, their offensive line execution last year was terrible. This is one thing Kevin Casey <laughs> Smith, uh, Kevin Smith writes for our site. He's on shows with, Kat, with uh, Shannon. He coaches football and he, he was saying like the execution of this team is just bad. Like there's, there's plays you can't tell what they're trying to run because it's like, okay, they look like they're trying to run outside zone and failing horribly, but maybe mm-hmm. they're trying to run in like a tricky inside zone. Like what are, and it's sometimes hard to do it because they just, it seems like they're doing everything wrong mm-hmm. and it's hard to get a run game going when your guys are just doing stuff wrong. So I, I don't know where to put this offensive line. We could see, you know, Kevin Dotson return to what he looked like in 2020 mm. when he looked like an absolute stud. We could see Dan Moore develop. We could see Kendrick Green become a nearly starting level player. Like he could become that guy in his second season, make that big leap forward. We could see Mason Cole and James Daniel solidify the interior of this line. Chakua Mokorafor take, you know, a step up from what he has been. I'm not saying like a big leap, but mm-hmm. a little bit up. And this line could be really good. But we don't, we don't know what we're going to get with it, right? We got to at least be average. Yeah, we're, we're going. We got to at least be average. Yeah, it's going to be better than last year. Yes, yes. it's going to be better than last year. And and with that, this this is the thing with me is we're going to talk quarterbacks. We'll do quarterbacks next, and we'll go right. We'll transition into quarterbacks here. But that offensive line also didn't have a quarterback who could throw the defense throw on the defense and make them back up. Mm-hmm. And the de- and the opposing defenses constantly had plus one in the box, which means however many blockers you have in there, they got one more defender than you have blockers. That's really, really hard to run. You have to have an absolute stud of a line. You've got like 2004 Steelers offensive line was like, yeah, bring that extra guy. We don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, block, we'll, we'll, we'll throw that guy to the ground and block that guy anyways. It worked for them. That's not this line. They didn't have that. If this, if the offense puts the offensive line in a better position to succeed with a quarterback whose arm isn't completely dead, uh, you know, that's 
that's going to benefit them too. There's, there's all kinds of potential for this offensive line to be so much better, but they just have to be at least like, a, you know, raise the bar mm-hmm. up back up to, to normal, to average. I agree with you there, Shannon. Okay. Let's go. Let's go to quarterbacks. Let's go to quarterbacks. Obviously. I mean, this, this is the hard point for me. Ben Roethlisberger is no longer on this team. And that's huge because Ben is irreplaceable. His career, phenomenal. His What he has done in Pittsburgh, the highlights, the talent he had, the way he dominated this division for so long. And yet, watching him play last year, I got to ask you, is Ben Roethlisberger being off this team in addition by subtraction? Well, <clears throat> we talked some last week after the podcast with Nick, and uh, there was a lot of talk. You and Nick was talking about his arm being dead, and and I stayed out of that part of the conversation I'm, because I'm, uh, I, I very much disagree with that from the aspect of as, a, as being in, in the old days, he could be getting hit, body weight going backwards off his back foot, he could throw it 50 yards like he did against Denver to Juju on the 96-yarder. I mean, everybody was in there over 50 yards, and he was almost going out the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. He could do things that, that were, you know, elite. Yeah. When he come back from talented. his surgery, his arm was still above average. It wasn't being yeah. aver- like, but it was above yeah. average. There's a lot of quarterbacks. People talk about Joe Burrow and his arm strength. And they say Pickett's arm ain't as good as Burrow, which I disagree because if you remember Pickett's rookie year in 2020, they come to Pittsburgh and played, and it was a real windy game, like real windy. And it was a crosswind blowing across the field. Burrow could not do anything. He had, Mm -hmm. I think it was the worst statistical game of his career. And he he did not have the arm strength to get on top of that ball. You got to get on top of it and drive it through that kind of wind. And Burrow could not do it. But people say Burrow has an elite arm. I hear it all the time. Ben, at 37 years old, after elbow surgery, had an excellent game. And he was driving that ball out to the sidelines. It wasn't an arm strength issue. It wasn't a dead arm issue even last year. But what happens, anybody's played, uh, you know, of course, I was baseball. But if you have leg injuries, knee injuries, it, there's so much yep. torque and so much pressure on your lower body. It's just a part of your natural follow through in, in your, in your throwing motion. He could not do that anymore. He lost his legs in 2020 as that year went on. And everybody's like, Oh, he's, his arms gone. His arms gone. No, if you watched his throwing motion, it, he was never fully committing. He wasn't driving forward and now that weight going on that front leg. Two reasons why one bad knees. Happens to all of us. You get older, you know, that happens. Two, he did not trust his offensive line. Because what happened towards the end of 2020 and all year last year, pressure up the middle, guys mm-hmm. falling at your feet, falling at your legs. No quarterback likes that, especially a quarterback who has to rely on their motion to generate power. Those guys really don't want guys at their feet and their legs. You know, Tom Brady, you know, after his injury, He's always been very conscientious of people at his legs. He'll throw the ball away, you yep. know, before he'll, you know, try to 
complete a pass there. So I think that the problem was the ways of being had to get rid of it so quickly, and he chose to get rid of it. The reason that he didn't have some of the the you know RPMs behind them throws is because the interior of the line was so bad, and he he did not trust that he was trying to you know avoid injury. So that being said, with the offensive line as it was last year, that was a terrible combination with Ben Roethlisberger at yeah. 38 years old. And so he did what he could do. He he showed that clutch ability. He did a lot of the drives to help him win mega playoffs, but it was a terrible, atrocious offense. It was so hard to watch. To, to watch, I mean, one, get older and not be able to do what he used to be able to do, but not have the help he needed. So it hurt the skill position, guys. Because like you said, Claypool, he he was just almost useless. Because, it, yeah. you know, the only time they even used him is they just chuck it up and try to go get it. You know, they force-fed the ball to Deontay Johnson. So he should have, you know, I'm sure he was happy as he could be. But that wasn't no offense. That and it a- just limited everybody else. James Washington was basically not even there. Um, yep. You know, Juju got hurt trying to run over somebody because everything was at the line of scrimmage or behind it. So, honestly, based on last year, this year having the quarterback mobility factor, uh, plus that improved of its line, the Steelers are taking a step forward, uh, potentially, at quarterback, because now they can run a complete offense, something that Ben was no longer able to do. He could have been successful with a strong offensive line, a strong running game. He, he was unable to have the running game because the line was so bad. So mm-hmm. there has been improvements there, regardless of who starts. You know, it could be Trubisky, it could be Pickett, even Rudolph. Whoever it is, there could be improvement there. I I, I will absolutely agree with you there, yes. That's, that's very good. Uh, saying his arm is dead is actually kind of a lazy statement by me. I will, I will, I will cede that point. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to agree with you overall that the situation, the mobility factor, mm-hmm. fitting the Matt Canada offense that the Steelers clearly wanted to tr- transition to after Ben retired, uh, it's it's going to be a better fit. It's going to be a better situation. Um, and, and it should be better results. What's What's your ideal scenario for this quarterback room in 2021 what do, you, what do you want to see happen with who's the starter how much they play what what would what, what would you like to see i mean obviously obviously we'd love to see like mitchell trubisky turn into ben roethlisberger and lead the steelers to a super bowl but realistically speaking what, what are you what are you hoping for this season well i was talking to a guy the other day and i don't think that you know you have a guy like terry bradshaw you have a guy like ben roethlisberger they're once in a lifetime. You know, the, the, we could yeah. have another great quarterback, hopefully, in my lifetime. But I don't expect it to be another Ben, let's say. Um, you know, Trubisky would be a, a, a great situation if he could give him that veteran leadership, that experience. And because of his mobility and his, his familiarity with a lot of the things that they're going to be asking him to do, and he just take the reins this year and keep him and, and then let Pickett back him up and 
uh, you know, people say, well, you don't want Rudolph. You don't, you don't like Rudolph. If here's the problem. If Rudolph ends up being the starter, the Steelers screwed up Roy because they paid for a guy that they really don't need in Trubisky and they drafted Pickett in the first round when they had other needs in other areas, they directions they could win. And so the the least favorable thing for the Steelers would be is if Rudolph does win that position and looks like he is the answer, then you got two guys that you know you didn't you don't necessarily need. Yeah. Um so in, in a perfect world you'd like to see Trubisky play very well. Uh, help him have a, a a really strong season, and then had, let him and Pickett compete for that starting position next year. That's that's a pretty good set. That's a pretty good working out. I, I'll agree with that. Uh, what do you what do you see as these quarterbacks? What do you think Trubisky and Pickett? What do they bring to the offense? What what kind of unique things do they bring compared to each other? Trubisky. I like his leadership. Um, again, I like his experience. I like the fact that he's went through Chicago and, and that graveyard uh, of a situation there for quarterbacks, Matt Nagy, you know, that whole situation. Um, it didn't break him. He still found a way to win games, you know, two to one touchdown, the interception ratio, never had great skill position talent around him. Um, I, I like that. Now, he shows some decision-making issues, uh, especially under pressure. You know, not, you know, hopefully he's matured and he's willing to to throw the ball away. But as we all know, Ben never outgrew it. You know, the the desire to be a playmaker, he would make some passes every year. You're just like, why? I mean, you know, you're an 18-year veteran. Why did you throw that? But, you you know, if you try to, it's almost like neutering a dog. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you try to take certain things away, you also take away the playmaking ability and the other. So, you know, you yeah. kind of got to live with some of that if you got a gunslinger. Favre did it, Elway did it, they all did it. The guys in that category. To me, Pickett has something. I, I mean, I don't know. Just, I mean, he showed it on the collegiate level. Now, we don't know about in the NFL. But he has that, a lot of that it factor that it's hard to put your finger on. Uh, I think that he has leadership. You know, it's going to be hard if he starts as a rookie to have it, of course. You have to earn that. But I think that that he has so much touch. He, you know, he, he, he could make about any throw. Um, and, you know, some people talked about his decision-making. But, I mean, he had an incredible season. And most of the balls that were maybe questionable were intercepted. He didn't have a lot that were dropped or – you know, he kind of got lucky because he was really – he did an excellent job protecting the ball for Pitt because I don't watch Pitt, but I had to go back and, you know, kind of watch some of the available footage. And and it seemed like he did an excellent job, and he anticipates well. The things we've talked about, anticipation and leading the receiver, and, and I, I think he does a good job reading the defense before the play. He might already be better at that than Trubisky. And I think their their athleticism is pretty similar. So, um, you know, the, the only thing Pickett don't have going for him in his competition is experience. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Pickett, 
I, I want to start with Teddy. P- Pickett reminds me of not like not. I'm, I'm not comparing him and being like he could be that good because I'm going to compare him to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, reminds me a bit of the Joe Montana, there you right? Go. Yep, yep. That kind of West Coast. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. you put Pickett in that old school West Coast offense, right? Where you're you're reading the defense, making quick decisions, making accurate passes, moving out, making plays. Mm-hmm. That's Kenny Pickett. That's yeah. his strengths. If you're asking him to be a Ben Roethlisberger, I think you're you have mm-hmm. the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there saying, you know what, we're going to drop four receivers, you're going to go out there, we're going to run routes, and you just out throw the defense. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. That's not going to work. Kenny Pickett has a lot of value. I I think his chief value is he has a knack for making plays uh, similar, similar to what Joe Burrow has shown that he Mm kind of has that knack for turning something not so great and and still making a play. Kenny Pickett has that. And I, I like that a lot. And that is to me, the big difference between him and Trubisky. Trubisky physically talented with his, I think he has better arm talent. Uh, if you're just talking, you know, velocity, if you're talking being able to do off, you know, off base throws and different mm-hmm. things like that, uh, I think Trubisky's better there. I think Trubisky's chief chief addition to this team and to this offense is, like you said, leadership, experience. Mm-hmm. He knows this type of offense. This is what he runs. Mm-hmm. What Matt Canada wants to run is what Mitchell Trubisky runs. So we can step in, run the whole playbook right off the bat bring some leadership, bring some stability to a quarterback position that just lost, like, I don't even call him a guy. He was the franchise. Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger was the franchise. They lost that. He brings stability immediately in there, allows them to fully implement their offense. I think Pickett is the better quarterback. In the, and I don't think it's that long away that Pickett's the better quarterback. Uh, but Trubisky is a great fit for what they need right now i well you know they compare burrows to montana yeah because you know the the heart rate never gets up just joe cool and that's Mm -hmm. what you're stuck out if you think back about montana and you know you see it with burrow but you also see it with pickett and you see a little bit of that yeah those are the kind of guys that you know, third and whatever, fourth quarter, AFC championship game, Super Bowl, they could keep it together. And, and you know, they don't get the yips or they don't short arm or throw. You know, it, it's just cool under pressure. That That's something that I think that I'm saying the it factor, it's hard to put your finger on. It, it, it really does seem like he has it. Yeah. And that's something, you know, Trubisky, when things get kind of rough, Mm-hmm. When things get tough, Trubisky pushes it. Yeah, he'll push. He'll try to do a little too much. Mm-hmm. You can't do that as a quarterback. That's that's never going to work in the NFL. And I think you we've seen with Rudolph how Mason Rudolph, when things start going well for him, he gets in a groove. He can be really good. Mm-hmm. But when things don't go well, he tends to stack bad plays. He stacks negative plays, which is what you can't do as a quarterback. You've got to, you know, walk away from one play and start a brand new play. And Mason Rudolph seems, I'm, I'm not, I can't fully speak for him, but he seems to be a guy who kind of carries the last play with him a bit. He rides that roller coaster and, and he can get himself in trouble when he starts a downswing. It kind of, it can, it can snowball on him. That so Detroit I think, game, the Detroit yeah. game last year, you remember 
one of the huge plays, he had to, the pocket, he kind of moved to his left. And he looked back and, um, oh, daggone it, um, Ray Ray. Yeah. Was, was coming along the goal line. And he was wide open. He'd settled there in the zone. And Rudolph had to make an off-platform throw. Not a hard throw. He just no. had to turn back, you know, and against his body and throw, and he bounced it. That's that's the difference yeah. in a play that I think Trubisky will make and Pickett will make and a play off schedule, off balance, off platform that I think is a limitation of Rudolph. That's a good – that is a very good point. I like that. I like that a lot. Let's move on from quarterbacks. We covered running backs, offensive line, and quarterbacks. Let's move on to the tight ends. This is my favorite position on the team. <laughs> Out, Eric Ebron, who barely played last year, at, at, like played some early, later in the year, not so much. Mm-mm. In Connor Hayward, what's your thoughts on the tight end position? Um, I'm more excited about it, the tight ends this year, than I have been. I don't know. It's been a long time because Friermuth is. I was watching some. Uh, a game on NFL network today between the chiefs and the Eagles and watching how their offense, they're running a lot of their plays and imagining, you know, if the Steelers, they have the, the components now to do a lot of these plays and watching how they repeatedly used Kelsey out of the slot and got Mm -hmm. him matched up either on a linebacker who he torched or on a corner or safety who he just overwhelmed. And you just see it, and it's just like you can imagine Firemuth doing that. I mean, yeah. And then watching, and he did. Where, you can look oh, at yeah. the film; he did it. He had some this year with Ben, who didn't want to use the middle of the field at all, and he still had some plays over the middle because he was wide open. But yep. then you watch uh, some of them rollouts they did uh, with uh, Hunt, the Eagles, and then with. Now the Steelers could do that, and then having. Uh, Gentry on that backside. I mean, first he looked like a tall, skinny quarterback trying to play tight end. Then he looked like, you know, this guy ain't going to make it. And then last year, he put it all together. And they and he, they say he looks even better this year. You get him like that on the misdirection plays and everything, and what some little guy's got to try to tackle him. That could work out really good. You know, be like the Vance McDonald stiff arm heard around the world, you know. I can see mm-hmm. Gentry doing that to some little guy, you know. And then <laughs> yeah. Hayward, of course, can do everything. I mean, he's so versatile. And you could bring him in and have one formation, then put him in the backfield on short yardage and run him for the first down. You could throw to him out of the backfield. You could throw to him offline, you know, on the line of scrimmage. He, he's got so many different things he could do. That's deep. And then Nick was telling us last week that um, – Oh crap! What's the other tight end? The four string guy, or it was third last year. Oh, uh, Raider. Yeah, said he looked great. Was making great catches and everything at camp. So this is a really, this is an impressive depth chart for the stars of tight end. Wow, oh, man, it's ex- it's exciting to me. Um, I want to do a little bit on uh, a little bit on Pat Fryer move <laughs> because I've been going over some film. Uh, for him, because I was gonna, I'm, I'm working on figuring out what I'm gonna do for him. I'm gonna do a film room on Pat Fryermuth, and man, the number of plays where he lines up in the slot and just runs like a five yard out route 
-hmm. and he's against a cornerback that can't cover him. Mm -hmm. He beats the cornerback, just straight up beats him. Against the Vikings, Brashad Breland, who was, you know, the, a starting cornerback for mm-hmm. the Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl. And then he goes to the Vikings. He's a big signing for the Vikings. That game, fourth quarter, Fryermuth comes at him, makes a move, cuts outside, breaks his ankles. The guy mm-hmm. looks like he just got shook <laughs> by a crossover dribble. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you're old enough for me, Tim Hardaway. Like, that kind of, like, where he leaves a guy and the guy's like, oh, yeah. he stumbles off the side. <laughs> Breland did that. Yeah. Pat Fryermuth absolutely shook him, caught the ball, and goes. Breland's getting up from the ground. <laughs> they didn't touch him. I watched the replay to see it. I'm like, what, did he, like, throw him to the ground? No, he didn't mm-hmm. touch him to put him <laughs> to the ground. My favorite part of that story, a few days after that, he gets in an argument with coaches and other players. He sits the next week. They cut him from the team after that when he was fighting with coaches, right? Uh-huh. In my opinion, this is all 100% <laughs> up here. This is yeah. not, you know, in, I, don't, I don't know what happened in reality. But in my opinion, what happened there was that came up in the film room. Yeah. yeah. And they showed it. <laughs> and he got mocked for it. Yeah. And he started fighting with guys. Currently, yeah. he is a free agent. They cut him from the team before <laughs> the end of the season. Nobody signed the guy. It's You're blaming Fryermuth? Pat Fryermuth ended this man's career. He was a starting quarterback on a Super Bowl team, and Pat Fryermuth ended his career. That is my hot take. As I have no facts to back it up, but that's my I love opinion. it. I love it. I think, I think Pat Fryermuth ended his career. He did it constantly. There was yeah, a, He's yeah. facing good quarterbacks, and he's just like, boom, and he's good. And he's, he's open. Yeah, yeah. Like, going against cornerbacks. Yeah. I cannot – Wait to see what his next season brings because they're already talking. He looks better. He looks mm-hmm. substantially better than he was. And you got to remember, he was the H back when the Steelers wanted to play where they needed an H back, someone to come across the middle mm-hmm. and block somebody, even if it was a passing play. And he needed some guy to come over here and pick up mm-hmm. this guy so they could run this little route and, and have the thing. That was Fryermuth because Gentry couldn't do it, Ebron couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They got somebody who can this year. Yeah. If you want Pat Fryermuth on the line and you want an H-back, you got Connor Hayward. Mm-hmm. That's his entire deal. That's what mm-hmm. he does. That's going to open up Pat Fryermuth. Mm-hmm. You want to go three tight ends, put Connor Hayward at H-back, Zach Gentry in line as a primary blocker who can slip out and catch passes, and then put Fryermuth in the slot. You could run what looks like, you know, like you've got one wide receiver, but then all of a sudden, boom, Fryermuth's out on the same side. And you got a mm-hmm. twin set. With Chase Claypool and Pat Fryermuth. It's it's I love it. I, I can't oh, I'm yeah. so excited for the tight end group. And Gentry is it looks a lot like another tackle. The way he can yeah. pass block and everything, he looks oh, like another goodness. tackle. <laughs> yeah, he is something else. He yeah. he had some reps on Miles Garrett where he shut Miles Garrett down. Yeah, yeah. They put him out there. They like some of the some of the plays on run plays. They were like, "Yeah, Zach Gentry, uh, you know, Dan Moore is going to do like he's going he's going to go after the the tackle. Mm-hmm. Go get Miles Garrett, and he did. Yeah, he did. He's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> I want to move from tight end to wide receiver. Wide receiver is a position everyone else is excited about. You know me. I'm more excited for the tight ends than even the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver position is the one position on this team that saw the most turnover. We lost three contributors from the wide receiver room. Juju Smith-Schuster, 
Ray Ray McLeod and James Washington. Replacing them, obviously, Gunnar Oshevsky is coming in, primary punt returner who also looks, and kick returner, who also mm-hmm. looks pretty good as a wide receiver in practices so far. Mm-hmm. Brought in George Pickens and Calvin Austin the third. Where do you where do you think this wide receiver group goes? Where like like who who is what what's going to happen with this group? There's so much potential with this wide receiver room. What do you think happens with this group? I'm gonna say upgrades. Oh, yeah. um, I, I really like Juju. Uh, he couldn't help getting injured, uh, but he was not at a wide receiver one, uh, which. You know, he was a great wide receiver, too, when he had Brown across his wide receiver one. But he's never been the same, even when he was healthy. Uh, so, well, I think I'll, that- I'll, If I can jump in here, I want to say that injury against the Browns, when he was hurt uh, in 2019 against the Browns, I will argue that's the turning point. Because before that, he was producing with Mason Rudolph. He was on pace for a 1,000-yard season in 2019. He got hurt in that Browns game and has never been the same since. And him and Devlin Hodges couldn't get a pass. Like, no. you, you could not get a ball from Devlin Hodges to Juju Smith-Schuster. It just never <laughs> happened. Like, it, it just couldn't happen. Anyways, I just want to clarify that. I'm a big Juju fan. But, man, that Browns game with that injury, he was never the same again. And I'll, I'll let well, you go Well, back. you know, I'm a Juju fan, too. Yeah, and I, I, know. And I, I, know. I I love the respect he had for the organization and for the fans. And yep. uh, and I'm rooting for him to do great with Kansas City. I think he's I in a he lot better that. situation with that offense to be able to rebound in his career. Yeah. But he, but maybe it was that injury in 2019. But he hasn't had the same explosiveness when he's been focused on as the number one receiver. Yeah. Um, I, he was he was still getting numbers with Rudolph at quarterback, but he wasn't the explosive numbers. And everybody's like, yeah. why is these yards per catch now? And why is it? Well, but when you got the best receiver in the NFL at the time, taking that coverage away from you and the attention away from you, and you're that good as Juju was, mm-hmm. that was a great situation for him. You know, yep. like uh, playing across from Jerry Rice, or, you know, you're going yeah. to have some favorable coverages. But um, I, I told you, I've always said that Washington cannot get separation. I think we'll find that out in Dallas. He still will not be able to get separation. Uh, he's got a role. He's a possession guy, but he's not going to be what a lot of people expect. And Ray Ray McLeod should have never seen the field other than kick return or punt return. So I think that you've got Deontay Johnson. I think he will be on the team this year. He's not going to see the targets he's seen before, but he's going to be able to have more plays. Uh, more of a repertoire and show what he, you know, even though there'll be less total targets. I think Claypool's in a much better position in the slot. Yeah. And I think that his his game will prosper from that because he's a matchup nightmare. Whereas Pickens, Pickens is that body control and, and the leaving ability and the ability to catch, you know, high point the ball. Pickens is perfect for that position. He could do the things Claypool couldn't. So I think immediately right there, you got an upgrade. Now you have Kelvin Austin III, who brings that speed element, that explosiveness, where any play can be six points. The Steelers have not had that. Yeah, I, I can't even remember the last time they had that. Brown was explosive and could, you know, he any he could turn any play into six. But other than that, I mean, it's been Mike Wallace since they had anybody with that kind of speed, and yeah. none of them's had the kind of quickness. 
that Austin has. So I'm very excited about that. We're forgetting Miles Boykin. That's true. In, yeah. You know, here's a guy who, what if he turns, you know, finally gets an opportunity with a team that can throw the ball and uses that big frame and he's strong and all that to be, you know, that wide receiver four, let's say, uh, you know, him and Austin, depending on what, because you could put Austin in the backfield, you could put him in the slot, you could move him around, you know, so many things you could do with that kind of speed. And even if he ain't getting the ball, he's an incredible decoy because you've got to keep somebody on him that can run with him. It can't be a, run, mm-hmm. a linebacker. You put a linebacker on him, he's gone. Yeah. So, um, like you said, Gunnar Osowski, uh, you know, I just thought he's coming in to be a kick returner, but they're saying he's really looking good catching the ball yeah. and, and can be another guy they can use gadget plays or, you know, stuff of that nature. So I think it's an upgrade. I think that the wide receiver room stronger than it was last year. I did. I'm going to agree with you too. Uh, one of the points I made in a film room, uh, our vertex we did is Chase Claypool looks like a completely different receiver. If you throw, I'm going to call it to his outside shoulder, like away from the ball. If he's yes, backing, if he's mm-hmm. having to, like the ball's coming and he's working away from the ball to make the catch, mm-hmm. he's terrible. He does that. Like he jumps, he repositions his body, but he yeah. doesn't. He loses his wideness. He lets defenders get into the ball. Yeah. His catch rate goes down. He yeah. and he does and he goes. He ends up off his feet every mm-hmm. time. When you see him fighting back to the ball, looking towards the ball and moving towards the ball. If he's if the ball's coming from here and he's going towards the ball to get to it, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And in the slot, those slants, post routes, every everything curls. Mm-hmm. It's all routes that he's good at. You don't want him running down the sideline. You don't want him running fades. I, it, the most telling to me was in the in the end zone. They ran stuff to Claypool over the middle. When they wanted to go to a fade, they went to Deontay Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when you're when you've got Claypool six four two thirty on one side. Yeah. You got Deontay Johnson five ten, yeah. one hundred and eighty five hundred ninety pounds on the other, mm-hmm. and you're like, we need to throw a fade and let this guy just go up over the defender and get it. We're gonna go to Deontay Johnson, <laughs> right? That's. Yeah. That tells you something. That's that's mm-hmm. Chase, Chase Claypool's game is not doing that, Mm-mm. right? He has to, he fights towards his eyes, and that's mm-hmm. where he's good. That's it's a weakness he has, and you're just gonna have to make do with it. The slot's a much better position for him. George Pickens, to me, is such a brilliant signing. I brought him up as a dream pick before the draft after our uh, Alabama show where we talked about the Alabama prospects. I was like, George Pickens is one of those guys that I'm like. Mm-hmm. He could fall because all these guys are putting up these ridiculous combine numbers and people are going to fall in love with that and forget that George Pickens just gets open. Mm-hmm. He gets open deep and he makes catches. So you've got that like Chase Claypool can get open deep, but he can't make a contested catch. James Washington can make the contested catch, but he can't get open deep. George Pickens puts it together. Yeah. He yeah. is that dude. And I think he, I think he's legit the best pure deep threat Z receiver we've had since Mike Wallace. I think he can be better than Bryant, Martavis Bryant, in I that agree. specific I agree. role. Yep. Yep. He could be absolutely great. Man, this offense. Whew, Shannon, we just got done talking. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris should be better if the if the line is better. The quarterback position is a better situation than, than what Ben had in his last two seasons. The tight end room could be an incredible strength, could be one of the best tight end groups in the NFL. The wide receiver room is upgraded. Uh Where's this offense? 
end up in 2022? How good are they going to be? I think that, again, you're going to see some struggles early on because you have to develop chemistry. And, you know, there's there's no substitute, substitute, substitution for experience and playing together and, and um, game experience. So I think there could be some tough games early in the year uh, that hopefully the defense can keep them in games and the strong special teams, Boswell, you know, and, and uh, the running game, that's one of the quickest things to come together. If that interior of that line can gel quickly, they can, I think they can move the ball with Harris uh, and, yeah. and control the clock and keep the games low scoring. And if they can do that, they can be competitive and then improve. That's what I want to see this year. I want to see in the last few years, they're, they're playing, they're not playing as good at the end of the year. Like in 2020, they played great early and then they fell yep. apart. And last year they started progressing and then Dotson got hurt and a few things happened and they flatlined. And so hopefully this year they can show improvement the whole way. But um, I think that they have the potential to be an improved offense. It, 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 they wouldn't take a whole lot to be better than that last year. Cause they was some atrocious uh, is the only word I can use for it performances. Uh, and it was a shame for the defense and because it was all laid on them. And uh, so I, I'm looking forward to, to see what can happen. The only thing that they've really lost uh, that Ben still had was clutch. Yeah. So they need to be have leads at the end of these games now and figure out a way to keep the ball and run out the clock and stuff of that nature. Because if they're in a lot of games where they're losing at the end, then, you know, until somebody proves to be clutch, you know, you just don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I think what we need to see from the offense this year, and really, if you go through last year and you look at you and you say, how much better does this offense have to be for the Steelers to be a team that can win a playoff game? Mm-hmm. And it's not that much. Mm-hmm. It's not that much better to get a better position where you're not playing the, you know, you're not playing uh, the Chiefs in the wild card game. Yeah. You know, and, and you've got a chance to actually beat somebody. The offense doesn't need to be that much better. And I think the big thing is if this offense can be one that can score more consistently, mm-hmm. right, then the defense is the unit you're going to see step up. You go back to the 2008 Steelers, the 2010 Steelers. The offense would score points. The defense would keep the game close. And then at the end, if you're when you're looking mm-hmm. for that big play, it was often the defense that was making the play to seal the win well when you're down the the defense can make those plays it still doesn't seal the win they, mm-hmm. the offense has to come out and score points yeah. and i think this defense is is good enough and i think the offense is is getting into shape i i think this team could win a playoff game last question for you shannon is one we we can't completely ignore even though that's not the point of the show i, I gotta i gotta say i gotta issue this one question first okay go her my key thing for this year on offense is time of position. Now, remember, yeah. I said it here. Mm-hmm. They have to improve their time of position. Yep. I, I think you would agree with that. Yes. Yeah, actually, the, the length of each drive, yep. no, mm-hmm. no. Like, get those first downs, move the yep. ball. Yep. Yeah, keep, keep control of the game. I absolutely yep. agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want to talk to you, though, 
It's been brought up numerous times in our live chat. <laughs> is Matt Canada up to the challenge of this team's offense with the talented weapons, the question marks at quarterback, and an offensive line that's kind of retooled? Is Matt Canada, the coaching staff, Pat Meyer, the new offensive line coach, are these guys the right people? Are they going to be able to do it this season and pull it together? On paper, I'd say yes. It looks like all the components are there. Myers is a good fit. Canada's got all the things that he's needed where he's been successful at other stops. I think he has that now. So now it just comes down to execution. And and there's tough decisions. So as you said, we've talked about who's the starting quarterback. I mean, you know, there's things that need to be answered. But I, I do think that He's in a good position, but the answer is he better be because they've they've given him everything he needed, everything I'm sure he asked for. So now he's got to deliver. I agree with you. Yeah, he does. And as much as we've seen great play design from him, like I can I can point to plays every single game where you're just like, look at that play. That's the Matt Canada offense. You set this up earlier with this other play. You had another play. Both of those were successful. And then this play, boom, the defense overreacts and you catch them over Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. As many of those plays exist, the problem you see with Canada is consistency. Where you'll have great drives. You'll have plays where it works. And then other times you're scratching your head saying, what were you you trying to do there? Mm -hmm. Like, were you just... Out thinking yourself, did you did you think the defense was going to do something dumb that play? Like, like what were you thinking? It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what his offense looks like apart from Ben, because a lot of our a lot of our predictions on what his offense was going to look like is tied to this idea that they still had to run what Ben was comfortable with. And we're saying, well, mm-hmm. what will back Canada's look offense look like without those plays? Well, we don't know how much of those were plays that Matt Canada doesn't want, right? We don't Mm -hmm. know how much limited he was. So we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We can have hope that it's going to be, you know, something that puts together uh, a good, a good offense. We've seen it, but like you look at the offenses really well known uh, for being this style, you're you're dealing with the chiefs. You're dealing with the Mm -hmm. bills where you have quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes where, when the play doesn't work, the quarterback can still do something with it yeah. and make that play. I don't think we have that guy. We don't have a guy who's going to be like, well, the offense fell apart. Go make a play on your own. That's not – like we've said, Mitchell Trubisky isn't that guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think as a rookie, Kenny Pickett's going to be that guy who can sit there and just say, oh, I'll take over the game myself. There are question marks there mm-hmm. of what Matt Canada can do, and it's going to be interesting to see what he is able to do. Now, we have gone well over our allotted 45 minutes here, Shannon. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be calling it having fun. office. Yeah, we're having Hey, it's been a good show. Uh, so I want to give you a chance to plug anything you've got coming up uh, as we, we get on out of here. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to post tomorrow or Friday, but I have an article about um, Demonte Kazee. And how that there's a, a narrative going around, I don't know where it come from, that he was brought in to challenge or replace Edmonds. And and that is a false narrative. Uh, he is a deep safety, a, a, a free safety. He is not a box safety. He cannot 
give the Steelers what Edmonds gives them. I think we'll see a lot of uh, usage of all three, but he is not, he was not brought in with Edmonds in mind. So catch out that, you know, check out that article when you get a chance. All right. And for me, uh, I don't even know what I have coming out next. <laughs> I've, I've been really busy around here. Uh, so, so my articles, I haven't been following up on them. Just, just make sure you're checking out behindthesteelcurtain.com. Look at Shannon's articles. Check out the other podcasts from Behind the Steel Curtain's family of podcasts. We are truly your one-stop shop for everything Pittsburgh Steelers. You get analysis. You get news. You get roster updates. You get, you get everything you want. You want narratives. You want opinions, pieces, stories. We, we've got all of it. Behindthesteelcurtain.com and Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, you can listen to all the other ones that are on, and there's what twenty a week. And, and we great. give we give everybody a voice. That's true. Everybody's voice is heard, and that's important. There you go, Shannon. I like that. I like that. So for Shannon and myself, thank you as always for listening. Thank you for the people who come on and participate in our live chat. Uh, we always enjoy reading your comments, and as always, have a great week. And let's go Steelers. Oh, how it rips me, but love makes me live for tomorrow.